song about a man called Goth and a little boy wanted to be tarred with the same brush. He learned Latin, held his head up high, and he hated the. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode, Pot on the Hill, Labor's only weekly podcast that discusses Labor people, events, and campaigns of the day. I'm Nicola Castleman, and this is episode 36. Don't forget that Pot on the Hill is available every week on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and your favourite podcast app. If you have any questions or comments or feedback on the show, please email us at podcast at vic.alp.org.au. Before I introduce today's guests, remember that the voters of Northcote are casting their votes in the by-election every day up until November 18, which is only 10 days away. Every conversation we have with voters until then is critical and the most effective action you can do to help Claire Burns become the new member for Northcote. Join the campaign with a door knock shift or a phone bank shift. Do so by signing up at thisislabor.org slash Claire, that's C-L-A-R-E. I am joined today by Richard Wynne. Member for Richmond and Minister for Planning in the Andrews Government. Welcome, Richard. Thanks very much, Nicola. Nice to have you here. I hope you're well. I am. Thank you. Good. I'm also joined by Judy Ryan. Uh, Judy is Secretary of the Residence for Victoria Street Drug Solutions and long-time campaigner for just that, Solutions for Drug Use in and around Victoria Street. Welcome, Judy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Now, we've invited our guests on today for a very special discussion about the recent announcement of a safe injecting facility for North Richmond. And as we prepared for this episode, it was sometimes distressing and confronting research. Much of the reading and listening about this issue is troubling and upsetting because the circumstances are so sad and the crisis so deep for many people and because, quite frankly... The subject is about death and about despair. So we want to discuss in depth today the steps which have led us to this point, analyse and the complicated issues associated with this decision and explain what the result will ideally be when the medically supervised injecting room is up and running. Um, but before my guests begin, I want to establish a couple of things. I know that our listeners going along this journey with us for the next 30 or so minutes will want us to tread with sensitivity and I can assure them that we will because this subject matter will often be hard to listen to and I can assure you that it was even harder to research for. Um, but we do want to explore this. Um, Richard, we're going to start with you. So I want you to tell us the scale of this crisis right now, not just in Richmond, though a great deal of it is clearly concentrated in Richmond, but what has caused this return to the levels of heroin usage not seen since the 1990s and what effect is it having on, on people in Richmond? Well, thank you, Nicola. It's, it's had a very devastating effect uh, obviously, uh, for the families of loved ones who have died, uh, very lonely, uh, very sad deaths uh, in backyards, uh, laneways, car parks, and the the toll uh, has been uh, unprecedented. So, in the last calendar year. We've had 35 deaths uh, in North Richmond alone, in, in one tiny, tiny suburb of, of Melbourne. Um, and in many respects, it, it, it reflects really a bit of a perfect storm. Uh, we have at the North Richmond Community Health Centre the second biggest uh, needle exchange in Victoria. Uh, they are likely to dispense this year one million needles. We have a, uh, a very significant drug trade uh, on Victoria Street itself uh, and also, sadly, uh, uh, in our high-rise estate that abuts Victoria Street. 
Uh, we, we have all of the detritus of drug use, uh, which is spread throughout the municipality in spite of uh, good, you know, good work that's been done by the city of Yarra to, on their needle and syringe pick-up program. Uh, and uh, I think there's been a realise there has been a realisation uh, over time that the harm minimisation strategies, which the government put in place uh, some more than a decade ago, are demonstrably uh, not working uh, because we're seeing these extraordinary number of deaths, uh, but but also uh, the number of people who actually um, are resuscitated. Uh, and the the call out by by the ambulance service uh, is disproportionate uh, in in uh, North Richmond. Uh, Victoria Police, of course, um, who uh, have um, I think changed their thinking uh, and and have now come to uh, I think a a realization that just a strict policing model uh, won't necessarily uh, work. Uh, is it was an important breakthrough for us. And Richard, um, being the member for Richmond, you would have had a huge amount of, of contact with people affected. What's the what's been the nature of of those contacts? What are people in your community saying about this crisis? Well, Judy will speak to some of that because she's been part of a really excellent group of of, of local people who who have come to this conversation with a, a, a very deep concern about people's health and welfare and and the welfare of the community more generally and uh, I think in that context it's been you know a, a very difficult conversation to have with people uh, because of just how distressing it is um, I mean when you you meet uh, families as I have on a number of occasions who will sit in your office and and tell you the most tragic stories of of how a loved one has has um, has died in in, in, in in such horrendous circumstances and you know, the complete emptiness and the complete heartbreak of, of these people is is very very difficult to to deal with because you know what they've always looked out for is to say well what else can be done what else can a government do what else can a community do? To, to help save these people's lives. And I know in the conversations that I've had with the, the Premier about this over, the, you know, over an extended period of time, um, he, he really demonstrated to me uh, not only his empathy but also his understanding that we had to do more and we had to do better. And the response that we've provided, I think, is a balanced and a compassionate response. And... I know when I sat with him uh, when he was uh, talking to um, a, a woman who had lost her 26-year-old son um, and I saw photos of this beautiful young man and I thought to myself, that could be my, that, you know, my son's 24, one of my sons, and I thought, well, that could be my son, that could be anybody's son. And it, it, it really, I think, goes to your, your core values and, and, it, and it speaks to why uh, I'm so proud that the Labor, this Labor government uh, has in fact made um, this really important and courageous move and one that I know is going to make a significant difference to the, uh, to the lives of injecting drug users 
but also for the community that surrounds it as well. Um, now we'll go to, to you, Judy, now, because uh, you've got an extraordinary story. We're very grateful to you for, for coming in and joining with us and sharing this story because it's heartbreaking. Uh, you've been touched by the tragedy of drug overdose in your family and you've been so involved in this community response to drug use. Tell us about your story and how you've come to this point. Well, Nicola, um, thank you for inviting me. And it is a really distressing uh, story, not just mine, but, um, but everybody who's been touched by this. Uh, look, I lived in Richmond uh, many, many years ago when I was at university. I'm a country woman and I uh, came to Melbourne and lived there and I knew that there was a lot of um, action happening in... This was in North in Elizabeth Street. But I love the area. It's a great area. It's got just that beautiful diversity that I really gives me energy. So um, moving forward to five years ago, we'd moved back to the country and raised our children and we came back to Melbourne and where else would we live but... Abbotsford and North Richmond because it's just got that sense of, you know, being alive. And I was not surprised at the drug use. Obviously, I um, was aware of that. But what had, what's got me to this point, I suppose, is the escalation. And that is really distressing as far as um, being a resident in the area and seeing this happening in my laneway, in my carport, in my neighbourhood, has uh, has really, it really, you know, 18 months ago I thought enough is enough. And um, as Richard has mentioned, you know, speaking to people who've lost children and, and siblings and lovers from this insidious situation... Uh, has forced my hand because I, I'm from a large family. I'm one of eight kids uh, and I have two sisters who have each lost uh, one of their sons. One was 21 and he died 22 years ago, so he's been deceased longer than he was alive and that's almost unbelievable. Uh, and the other, uh, his name was Ewan and Rick died, uh, he was 28 and he'd actually been clean for about six years. And he just popped into Richmond for a bit of a taste one day and ended up dying in the toilet of uh, McDonald's in Church mm. Street. Now, if he'd used a supervised injecting centre, he would not be dead. He wouldn't have died. So so that sort of... And that just absolutely floored our family. We're a good family, like, you know, just pretty standard work and, you know, have functions and, you know... But the loss of those two young men in our family has been... Uh, devastating and it still is you know we still you know my my sisters having to deal with that all these years later has been very difficult and in fact last year when I really started to get involved in the campaign um, which I didn't know was going to be a campaign as it's turned out but I stood for council in the city of Yarra and I knew that it wasn't a local government issue as such. I knew it was a state government issue, but I sort of just wanted to test the pulse of the community, how many people actually did really care. And politicians always tell us there's only one poll that counts. So I thought, look, an election was as good enough a way to stand as a single self-funded person. And I really was overwhelmed with how many people just said to me, this is the right thing to do. It is just insane that we're putting up with this. But before I did it, I actually went to my two sisters, Rosemary and Helen, and I said, look, I want to do this. How do you feel about it? And if they said it is going to be too hard for us, I would not have done it. So I'm so proud of them. They have been my rock 
behind because there are times when I have wanted to give it up because it's just too difficult but they've been um, fantastic and so I'm doing it for them and this the siblings that are still alive so uh, so that's what sort of happened and the thing that's because I've come at it from this angle I I really have a relationship with those people injecting in my own way they're just they're human beings they're people's family members they're some of them are it's just uh it, it it's just overwhelmingly sad I mean I've actually supervised injections with people who are scared being on their own They've said to me, because I always say, look, I'm Judy, I'm from the residence group, we're trying to get up a supervised injecting centre, would you use it? And they all say yes. And one man has held out his arms and said to me, who wants to live like this? They do not go and inject to die. They go in and inject to try and be normal like everybody else or have they perceive normality to be. So I have an, just such a compassion for these people and I know that if we can keep them alive... Um, and we can get them into some rehab rehabilitation and look at our social levers and things that, you know, we live in a changing society with technology changes and, you know, unemployment problems and various things. But if we can look at that, then we can do some really remarkable things and engender in our, in our community and our society that we do need to look out for other people. Not everybody's as resilient as we talk about and we want from each other. People find life tough and we've got to look after those people. That's what makes us a civilised society. Thanks, Judy. And as challenging as it is to describe, I think that it's valuable for us to describe why someone would die for an overdose because there would be misconceptions about how that would happen. But why would someone die from an overdose? What occurs to them physically that, that makes them die? Well, in, in the situations that I've seen, um, and I've been with someone who has died in Victoria Street in, in May this year, um, it, it's because it's unregulated, they don't know what they're taking. Sometimes it's rubbish. Sometimes it's strong. Sometimes, and I've heard from some people in terms of the dealing, if they are a bit sick of a client who's not paying back, they might change the, tweak the composition of what they're using to, you know hasten that uh, removal of that person absolutely and um, so it just depends on your body's capability you know but one of the things for example Nicola with um, my nephew Rick he was clean had been for some time he was working and he tried something that was he just his body could not cope with so Mm. I think it's it's like a lot of things where you you're you're on your game or you're not and something has a bigger effect on you than other other times so um, but in my experience, it's just with, with heroin particularly, it just tends to close down your system. They aren't aggressive. They've, in fact, the people in our laneways who are overdosed are ve- very gentle people. They always apologise, sorry, love, I'll clean up after myself. They don't, or a lot of them don't. But, you know, they, they're very um, apologetic. It's just this sense of... I'm just trying to stay alive here, you know. So it is a trigger where they could be resuscitated. Um, and I, I've been to the Sydney Injecting Centre and I know that they just bring out some um, oxygen in, a, in the initial stages to resuscitate. Well, 
you know, and then if they need the naloxone, they do it incrementally. So it's not this big jab that is given to them in my lane way from the from the paramedics. So um, it just depends. It's everybody's different, and how so how they die from it. But it is very quick, and I've been told that my nephew died very quickly. It was just straight out like that. So um, yeah. Um, and we will talk about the secondary uh, diseases and, and health implications um, like needle, uh, dirty needles, etc. Um, in a little bit. But Richard, um, can you talk us through your, uh, your, the information um, about the physical and functional characteristics of this medically supervised injecting room, uh, which is the technical term of the Victorian example in this case, uh, and, and how will the staff at the MSIR present, uh, sorry, prevent those deaths and provide options for addicts? Well, I was talking to uh, Minister Foley, who, of course, has been the lead minister uh, on behalf of the government, and he was in Sydney uh, at the injecting facility, supervised injecting facility at King's Cross on Monday, dealing specifically with um, those particular issues. And... Um, as well as uh, Judy has been there, so have I. So I've seen, I've seen it operating, and I do, I do intend to take um, a group of traders up uh, up to Sydney to actually see it in, see it firsthand. Um, and we might talk a little bit about uh, the Victoria Street traders in this conversation as well, because I think they've they've come a long way uh, along the path, and uh, we welcome the support that they've provided to this. But what's important about about this facility, and uh, although there has been some, uh, some conversation around the location of this facility next door to Richmond West Primary School, uh, I'm, I'm really... Uh, I think we should put to rest that there is, uh, that there is any concern uh, from the primary school at all. In fact, the, the leadership of the school, including the principal, Paul, and indeed the, the school council, actually had formally written uh, to the community health centre to say, you have to do something else because what's, what's happening now is not acceptable, where people were um, shooting up in the, uh, in the car park of the school, uh, where uh, people were being resuscitated uh, in, in the car park of, of, of the school, uh, and that's just not acceptable. And uh, we, we think that uh, the location of this facility uh, is very important, not because not just because it's a supervised injecting facility, but what else is, is actually located at the community health centre? Because as um, the uh, CEO of the health service, Demos Kruskos, said to me, this is about the road to recovery. So they obviously have built a very they have built a very strong relationship with uh, many of the um, injecting drug users who who use a needle and syringe e- exchange program, and it's about capturing people uh, at that point and saying, okay, what else do we need to do for you to actually support you not o- not only in your habit but also really in your life and. Um, they have an extensive range of obviously medical staff there and nursing staff and 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 welfare staff there as well and we think that's a really important element of this so it's not just a standalone supervised injecting facility it's part of a broader suite of interventions the other arm of that of course is um, the hundred um, treatment beds that that will be placed right throughout uh, uh, metropolitan Melbourne and regional Victoria as well, because as Judy rightly has indicated, it, it's not 
it's not a Melbourne metropolitan issue. It is it is a a statewide uh, a phenomena where people are coming into Richmond from uh, east and from north to North Richmond from all over uh, all over the all over the state. Uh, so we we think. Um, and obviously, the penalty regime that we're we were putting in place for uh, for drug trafficking is is really the the counterbalancing point in this. And uh, we we think as a suite of responses, particularly given uh, it will be based uh, at the community health centre, is very very important to this. Now, Richard, one of the themes of uh, this last week uh, has been that the government has changed its policy, mm. changed its mind on this. And at different stages, there will be people uh, in the government who would have changed their mind and, and looked at the, the medically supervised injecting room and, and decided this was the, the thing that's worth trialling um, sure. to, to solve this problem. As you say, things weren't working. What made you change your mind at some point and what made the government change its mind at some point about, about the, the you know, effectiveness of this? Uh, I've never changed my mind. Um. I've been an advocate for this for uh, as long as I've been a member of parliament here. I, in fact, uh, w back in 2001, uh, when we tried to get a, metal, a supervised injecting facility up in, uh, through the parliament, I, I was in the thick of that debate and uh, we were unsuccessful in the upper house and uh, that was, you know, that was a... Yeah, it was a very sad day for me, um, so... I guess um, it's been. I, I think it's been really um, an opportunity for for the government to to really think this thing through in in, in, in with fresh eyes is is the way I, I would put it. Um, and you know when when you find uh, that you've got a joint parliamentary committee, which you know in a bipartisan way has come down and said, look. You've got to look at this. This is this is this is a serious problem and one that, you know, here is a potential solution uh, available to you. Uh, where you've got two coroners' reports. I mean, this is almost unprecedented. Two coroners' reports into deaths, um, tragic deaths, both of them um, in North Richmond, where uh, the coroners unequivocally have said, "You must try this." I mean, you have to have an alt a different public policy response than what you've got, where you've got overwhelmingly all of the emergency services, um, uh, particularly the ambulance service, um, the the uh, uh, the medical associate AMA, um, the coroners, as I indicated, or obviously all of the the drug and health services in in my in my community, and Victoria Police saying, well. Uh, it, it is time to give this supervised injecting facility a trial, and that's what it is. It will be a trial for two years uh, with a review with the option, obviously, for an extension. Um, and, Judy, your experience being so uh, engaged with different groups, including Richmond West Primary School um, and uh, you know other health providers, uh, the traders, all of those groups that would have had opinions about this from, from the Richmond, North Richmond, Abbotsford area... Um, what's what's their hope in, in all of this, and and what has their despair been in all of this? Can you can you tell us about their their state of mind over the last couple of years that you've been directly in this space? Well, it's many and varied. Um, I mean, from a resident's point of view, it's been about the um, really keeping people alive. Working with the ambulance services, we've become very um, connected with them as first responders. Um, 
I think with regard to the um, trading association, who we support, and well, you know, they we're their bread and butter. So we and we want their businesses to flourish. That's a key objective here. Um, so I think they've had a different experience in that it's probably impacting on their businesses. And I know Stop Twenty on the corner of Lennox and Victoria Street is it's the crosshairs, and really. You know, there's a pharmacist there. Now, you know, I just take my hat off to that pharmacist who I know, who to have a business there is just sort of almost insane. Mm. Um, so they just have a... I mean, they'd be looking at their profit and loss statement and saying, oh, this isn't working. They'd come to work in the morning and find people overdosed in their, across their gateways, that sort of thing. Um, so, and as far as the school communities, we know both Abbotsford Primary in Lithgow Street as well as West Richmond, talking to those um, councils, a lot of the families who go to those schools come from the, um, the flats. A lot of them are traders or they're part of that trading community. And they, um, they have a, a real sense of, of, of the safety for their children. Um, in fact, parents in the sector, but especially that, group, that cohort, the impact this has on children is is you, we cannot underestimate the trauma that is caused to children in this. Mm. And I actually did write to the Premier about a, a, a communication I had from a woman who was taking her six-year-old to school and he saw a man overdosed in a laneway. And she said he saw the man mumbling and the mumbling has been recurring. He's, you know, sleepless nights and that sort of thing. And I just thought if I had a six-year-old who had that experience, how would you deal with that? And so, you know, everybody comes at this from a different way. I mean, holistically, it's all about saving lives, clearly. But there are other facets to it as well. I think the filth, the filth of the um, paraphernalia of injecting is just is, is horrendous. And we're talking about um, the bloodborne diseases and when you get your package out of the supply um, vendor, vendor, vending machine, you get these yellow, um, you know, tamper-proof lids at where you put your syringes. We, we now, we're seeing them opened. And, I mean, that's, that frightens us that people are now starting to reuse needles. I mean, it's just... It's, it's one of the great things about that harm reduction measure of the needle supply program is that people have clean needles. Well, that's not happening as much anymore. So, and I've asked Demos Kruskos from the um, North Richmond Community Health that there is a you know creeping incidence of HIV or that sort of evidence. So that has a broader implication as far as the community is concerned. But look, it's you know just the amenity of the area to attract more people to it. The beautiful iconic Victoria Street um, shopping and eating strip is really key so there's just there's a it is multifaceted but it is ultimately about saving lives yeah and I did notice that during the week uh, some liberal members tried to make make hay of the closeness to Richmond West mm. Primary School and they got properly schooled because uh, it was actually I mean a, a school would have to move Mm. itself away mm. to, to actually remove itself from the problem. Yes. Um, but they're fully supportive of this, as you mentioned, Richard. So, mm. And um, we know that too. Yeah. Um, we see people injecting drugs outside of both of those schools. And I, as I mentioned before, I was with a woman who died on the corner of Victoria and Lithgow, right near Abbotsford Primary School, mm. 20 past three on a Wednesday afternoon. There she was, undignified, deceased, and little kids were coming past her. I was pretty hysterical her partner was these little kids. I mean 
I just, as I said, I could not imagine my kids dealing with that and as a parent talking them through that. So as far as I'm concerned too, I've communi- you know, been in communication with those communities and they totally support it and I absolutely understand that because what they'll be getting with this centre is 400% better than what they've got at the moment. And if I was a parent and I've spoken to some parents there, they said, bring it on. So people who are outside the area who do not know what's going on there, and we've actually had someone on our Facebook page, a Liberal um, member from Warrigal, Gary Blackwood, and he came out and made some really disparaging remarks. Well, honestly, he's got no idea. And But what's been fantastic has been the backlash. It's been calm and respectful and methodical and theoretical. Like And once things come down, I'd love to ask Mr Blackwood to come up and I'd like to take him around the area. I, reading the comments on that uh, post he made, I think he would wish that he could did, never made that possibly, <laughs> made that post because yeah. uh, I don't think he he realised just oh, what he no, was getting into. He didn't. Um, now we have established, I think, in this conversation so far, there's a huge number of benefits for the community because this this uh, does protect them uh, as well as their you know the whole amenity of the area. I want to talk about the the benefits for some other people as well. Um, and I think we can establish fairly fairly quickly and easily that there's enormous benefits for users in their safety. Um, but what about the benefits for, um, let's say, emergency services personnel? Richard, um, they, they will have been – they will be celebrating this, this um, as well in, in so much as you can celebrate something like this, but they will be very supportive. Yes. Well, uh, it was an extraordinary day when the – and Judy was with us uh, along with um, – uh, a couple of families who were um, where their partners uh, or family members had died uh, came to the came to the press conference that the that we had at the North Richmond Community Health Centre, uh, and I was talking to a number of uh, um, uh, ambulance um, staff who, of course. Who work the work the North Richmond area, and they were saying they were saying to me just how important this is in terms of being able from from the New South Wales experience of being able to free up uh, the ambulance service to uh, so that this massive demand that's upon them, you know, every day, you know, every every single day, uh, to uh, to uh, be free to do other duties, and the extraordinary thing was that we were literally halfway through this conversation when they said, "I'm sorry, we have to go," and I, I hadn't realised that they literally ran across the street at the end of the at the end of our press conference when we had a full press pack there, and you know, television cameras and radio and print journalists to actually resuscitate a woman not 50 metres from where we were. I mean, there could not have been a more vivid or telling example of just how important um, this supervised injecting facility is to our community. And the other things that will be helping emergency services personnel would be in the uh, in the reduction in needle stick injuries because yes. it will be more of a controlled Yes. Um, you know, environment in the in the injecting room, uh, as well as um, some control over um, the, um, you know, w- what happens to someone who has been, as you, you mentioned, naloxone before or Narcan, which is to re- reverse, mm. um, you know, a, a heroin dose like that mm. can actually make a, a, a patient, in this case, um, you know, extremely 
upset, extremely distressed, sometimes sure. violent, and emergency services personnel will not have to face that sort of uncontrolled, unpredictable, mm. volatile situation that, that you would have in a laneway. So they're well, obviously... Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's absolutely right. And um, the experience uh, in... King's Cross at their supervised facility, injecting facility there is uh, that in the 17 years now it's been going, they've had, uh, they've treated 6,000 overdoses, 6,000 over that period, uh, and not one death. I mean, that's, that's, that's the data. And we've got about 190 across the state mm. last year. Mm. Uh, Within the facility, of course. Yeah. I mean, there, there obviously are drug overdoses uh, in New South Wales. I don't have that data uh, before me, but you know the 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 efficacy of this program in uh, in, in in Sydney is is evident to anybody. Um, and I understand. I could be wrong about this, Richard. I, mm. I'm. Um trying to remember this but I understand you you worked in social work at some point uh, in the distant past um so um what um what benefits also to people who are social work uh, health workers people working in drug dependency that they will also be benefiting from from this in terms of their work yeah well ironically I I, I guess I bring two uh, two streams of of um of uh, past experience to to this conversation I mean one is obviously uh time I served as a Social worker on um, uh, on our public housing estates, um, and also as a criminologist. So <laughs> they're um, they're two sort of complementary, I guess, um, areas of my uh, areas of my background. Uh, but I, I, I think uh, overwhelmingly um, uh, that the the Yarra Drugs and Health Forum, I, I think, for me has been. And because I was involved really in the formation in, the, in its very earliest days of its formation, I mean, this is a extraordinary group of people who have stuck together now for close to well more than twenty years actually, um, really seeking to address um, long term uh, 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 health and, and and drug issues in uh, in in Yarra and. Uh, uh, yeah, they've they've done a fantastic uh, a fantastic job uh, uh, over that journey, and you know they've really been, uh, I think, um, very single-minded uh, in in wanting to ensure that that the work that they do and the and their advocacy actually makes a difference. Uh, and they would see uh, the safe injecting facility, supervised injecting facility, as being part of a broader offering and. Certainly, in the um, in the, in the uh, briefings that uh, Minister Foley gave to these groups after the announcement, I mean, people were genuinely thrilled about the fact that we're getting a hundred new treatment beds. That uh, they understood that uh, uh, we'll be doing, we'll be continue with our harm minimisation strategy. That's very important. Uh, obviously, um, you know, one of the other things that we that we've that we've done is we've. Uh, we've just turned on finally um, the um, uh, CCTV on on both Lennox uh, and on Victoria Street, uh, and again that was uh, an initiative the Victoria Police had requested. They don't see this as a silver bullet, far from it, but they see it as being just another tool in their armoury, um, and their interest is not, you know, you know your your 
often chaotic drug users um, on uh, around um, North Richmond, but but people who are dealing at a you know at a very very significant level are the people who they're interested in who who really peddle the the you know the just terrible terrible people who just just pry on the frailties of people. Um, well, I'll ask a few final questions sure. um, before we, we wrap up. Uh, one for for Judy. I um I looked at a lot of coverage of this announcement, uh, just sort of obsessively clicking on links to articles to, to read more about this and understand exactly the, the scale, because I don't live in Richmond, so I don't see this on a daily basis. Um, but uh, one thing that struck me, and I, d- I made the mistake of reading the comments. Um, I never which, do that. No, it's not no, a good idea. No, um, but some also comments on the Facebook page that, that you um, are at least uh, somewhat responsible for because mm. it's it's your organisation, the, the residents' um, uh, organisation. And some of those comments are also, you know, really unpleasant. Mm. Um, and it, it just made me realise how much there is a lack of compassion towards people yeah. who, who use drugs, particularly those who are addicted to drugs. Why is there that? I don't think there's anything that actually approaches the same level of vitriol, vitriol, mm. and and it's really distasteful. Why why do we have this? Or not we, but why, why do people have this level of disgust? Um, interestingly, when I stood for council and I did a lot of door knocking in my area, and I was you know bracing myself for you know people who particularly lived in that that area and perhaps being confronted with it and. Uh, were you know uh, sick of it uh, how they would respond to me and what I wanted to do um, which there was very little but what I found uh, Nicola was that people who tend to have views like that are ignorant they don't understand what is going on here that this is a health issue and we talk about the law and order scenario um, you know, as I said, I lived in North, in Elizabeth Street, North Richmond, in the late seventies, and it was pretty bad then. Mm. And we've been doing law and order ever since. And guess what? It hasn't worked. It it hasn't diminished. People have died. They haven't been rehabilitated. So when I read those, you know, some of them, I tend not to really because I know there's too much good stuff, and I get the energy from that. But I think people who uh, don't. Um, who feel this way just are ignorant and they don't understand look from an economics point of view this is an economics 101 decision because the cost we know of ambulances and emergency services in our laneways out there is stratospheric it has to be 90 minutes with two mic as an ambulance and an mfb truck just if you don't like people and you don't mind people being dead in the street surely that makes sense on its own um kids being traumatised by it, you know, let's protect the young people. I think if you've just got to look at another way of, of, of framing it for people. Um, the other thing that I think happens, and I was saying to John Fain about this actually, I said, you know, I think there'll be people out there who would be opposing this now, but in years to come when their family is impacted by somebody who is addicted because it is very... It is a, it's a broad illness across our community. They'll be very glad that we did this. You know, I think some people have said that they were against it. Once they're confronted with it in their own families or friendship groups, they do change their mind. Look, I think it's like a lot of things in life. Until you confront it yourself, you don't understand it. So, and a lot of these people who are ignorant don't bother. It suits them just to be foul about it so look 
I really, I mean, we, we'll just keep talking. We run education um, forums in our community and people come in and they do come up to me and say, I didn't know that. That was something I didn't know about it. And one of the things that we found about Sydney was when I visited was how calm it was in that centre. Now, Richard's referred to the chaos, and it is chaotic down there. It's, sometimes it is frightening if you, you might be knocked over if you're an elderly person. What I found in Sydney, and I said to Marianne Jauncey, the director, I can't believe how calm it is, and she said, because once they get in here, they're treated with dignity, they're not being pursued for possession of an illegal substance, we know we treat them as patients. It's just a total different karma. And so um, I just feel that people, once they can understand that what they see in our streets is an ind indicator of people who are very, very unwell, and we need to change that whole focus from law and order to a health issue. And, and that's that, what's happened here. And that brings me to um, my next question, which is for Richard, which is uh, to... to Sort of describe, I suppose, um, or to, to give your opinion. Now, the the three pillars drug policy is the is the name um, given to um, the reduction of drug usage. That's not just on the the supply side, the policing side, um, and it's not just on the treatment and prevention side, which is to address the demand side. Obviously, the the overarching uh, um, ambition is that people do not seek drugs, they do not want drugs, they do not become addicted to drugs, but those things are the policing and treatment side. But the third one, which is the harm minimisation side, which is where the safe injecting uh, room fits in because it's treating existing users and, and um, improving their quality of life. And as uh, Daniel Andrews has said, you can't be rehabilitated if you're dead. So to get to people to that, to that stage where they can be rehabilitated. Why, Richard, are people so sceptical of that third pillar? And why do we have people saying that this is, this is not an acceptable policy or not something that they, they really want to confront or accept? Why are people opposed? Well, I mean, people have a right to be opposed, um, but they, they also need to be informed. Um, and, uh, and if people have an informed view but still oppose, that's fine. Um, uh, I mean, we look forward to a debate in the parliament that we hope is a respectful debate and one that is an informed debate and not one that is simply, uh, simply driven by, frankly, you know, cheap politics. I mean, this, an, an issue like this is, is frankly, well, ab well above the, the, the political ruck. And, and, and we've seen this, uh, we've seen the parliament operate very, only very recently in, at its best when we were dealing with voluntary assisted dying. Uh, you know, a matter of, of passionate debate, uh, a matter that required all of us to, to look deeply within ourselves and to, to uh, on, a, on a conscience basis, uh, uh, arrive at a a decision uh, as to whether to support or not support um, the legislation. Uh, and uh, I, I would hope that the tenor of that debate uh, 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 is actually reflected in, in the debate that we'll be having uh, next week when we, when we introduce the... Uh, when, we, when we debate the bill next week because ultimately uh, it's about being informed uh, but it's also, it's also about... Uh, reflecting on people's experiences because uh, what's been really, uh, really um, um, 
important for me is that the, nu the number of people who have uh, responded uh, to me in, in a way of not, uh, not just congratulating us but saying that, that drug addiction, heroin addiction, knows no uh, social boundaries, it, it, it knows no uh, uh, income boundaries, uh, and in talking to people who, and you know, and Judy's own experience with her with her family and and other other uh, families that I've talked to, I'm, I remember speaking with a woman who said, uh, "I could not, we, my family, we could not have loved our son any more than what we loved him," and uh, he died a shocking, lonely death in the high-rise car park of the North Richmond Housing Estate, and frankly. If we can't do better than that as a government, then I don't think you're, 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 you, are a, you are a progressive or compassionate Labor government. And we can and we will. Um, I'll allow um, you guys to answer this as our final question, each, each answer it, um, to end on a positive note, because it, it is a grim subject. Judy, we'll start with you. What do you expect to see, what kind of transformation do you expect to see in your community from, from the beginning of this, uh, this facility when it opens? Um, look, I, I think it's sort of, for, for us it's about, we've always looked at the evidence base, what happens in other countries when they introduce supervised injecting rooms and those wraparound facilities that would be, will be provided at North Richmond Community Health. And the overwhelming evidence is that there are just so many benefits. People are kept alive. People don't suffer brain damage for lying in laneways and then being um, resuscitated to still stay alive but to be, you know, impacted in that respect. Um, I mean, I, when I was in Sydney... I just could not believe the amenity around that area, how clean it was. You know, for an area that was always a bit seedy, it was beautiful on a Sunday after, a Saturday afternoon or whatever. You know, it was just a beautiful place to be. Um, no sirens. Our our whole life is the sound of sirens, mm. and it's that's so. Just, it's just a constant reminder that this is a really tragic area. Um, just that. When you brace yourself in the morning going to work, I walk out my back laneway to get the train and I just look around everywhere in case there's somebody dropped overnight or is not that. that sent, you're on high alert all the time. And people don't understand that, like Mr Blackwood from Warrigal. He doesn't understand that as a human being, the last thing I want is to have somebody else's child dead in my laneway. That is just not, not on my watch. So I think... It, it will change the way we think and the way we behave. It's just, it's, we, we, we've been talking about as a group sort of that sense of anticipation that what will it be like in 12 months' time here? And we, we, we can only base it on what's happened in other, in other areas. Fortunately, um, a few of the members of our um, residence group have lived in the cross and they lived there before the injecting centre and afterwards, and one of them, who was a pretty big guy, was with the army at Potts Point. He was saying that if he hadn't lived there, he would not have believed the transformation within weeks. And he said it really, really works. And so um, for little kids to be able to ride their bikes and scooters down the street and not fear needle stick injuries or the dreaded orange caps everywhere or human waste, I mean, it's just, it's almost a bit overwhelming, Nicola, what how it's going to be 
and we want to keep a lid on it a bit in case, um, <laughs> you know, something goes awry. I like, want to see the ink on that on that um, paper before I get really excited. But I really believe... And look, for the traders, let's put planter boxes in the street and fix up the awnings and just celebrate that we've, as a community, we've worked together to recognise the terrible health issue that was we're all confronting but something, you know, really um, civilised has happened and that we will benefit from it and celebrate our supervised injecting centre because I think the community will have a sense of ownership of that and I know I'll be very proud of, of it. Um, I don't see it as a negative in any respect. I think it's a very practical and, um, and humane thing to do. Yeah, very excited about the opportunities that will arise from it. Um. Well, I, I think Judy has really summed it up very well. Uh, I mean, clearly it's going to save lives. Uh, clearly it's, it's going to massively improve the amenity of, of the area. Uh, that is incredibly important. Uh, and I have certainly am committed to really getting Victoria Street back to where it needs to be, the premier uh, destination for Melbournians. And uh, I have... We have got everything now. I mean, it's it's a wonderful, vibrant street, uh, and it ought not uh, have to suffer uh, the what 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 residents, um, uh, traders, uh, and people visiting the street have had to experience. Uh, and it has got it has gone past a tipping point uh, where I have to say, for the first time in many years, I've been walk, walking down Victoria Street, I've felt uneasy, and that's just that's not acceptable. And uh, I look forward to a really strong marketing campaign uh, with the City of Yarra and with the State Government to, to rightly celebrate, as Judy has said, uh, what's great about, uh, about North Richmond, what's great about Victoria Street. But, uh, and uh, I think we, if we're sitting here uh, in 12 months' time, uh, we, we will find uh, that the facility will have been operating then for three or four months and... Uh, I think we will see a demonstrable um, difference and uh, it will be all for the better. Uh, Richard and Judy, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. I know that mental and emotional preparation would have gone into to answering as you did, so um, we're really, really grateful for you uh, coming along and sharing all of those thoughts with us. Thank you, Nicola, and, and particularly thanks, thanks, Judy, for being, yeah. a part of, being a part of today's podcast. Thank you. To finish this week's episode of the podcast, I'll leave you with some Victorian Labor news. We are running nightly phone banks from 6 to 8 p.m. and door knock shifts from 5 to 7 p.m. and a huge door knock day of action this Saturday from 10 a.m. launching from the campaign office in Thornbury, all for the Northcote by-election. Come join with our organisers and over 200 other volunteers taking this final weekend's opportunity before election day. Join the team. That's at thisislabor.org slash Claire. That's C-L-A-R-E. There's a sign-up page and you'll be contacted swiftly by one of our field organisers there on the ground. If you wish to donate to Claire's grassroots campaign, donate at thisislabor.org slash donate Claire. And as said earlier, go to thisislabor.org slash Claire to volunteer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pod on the Hill. Thank you in particular for caring about this topic to stay with us. Remember that you can download each episode every week on your favourite podcast app. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Don't forget to tell your friends about it. Share the link for Pot on the Hill episodes on Facebook and Twitter. 
For all the latest Labor news, be sure to follow Victorian Labor on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and look out for our next episode. Email us at podcast at vic.alp.org.au with suggestions and feedback. A special shout-out goes to Annie from Collingwood this week. She's a dedicated listener of ours who emailed us earlier in the year and connected us with Judy's organisation and suggested that we cover this topic. I know that she'll be thrilled that her recommendation was taken up. Thanks for your connection, Annie. Our song for the outro this week is The Whitlams with Make the World Safe. From danger and shield you from prying eyes. I can make the world safe for you. Come and live over here. I can make the world safe for you. Come and live over here. I can make the world safe for you. Nothing bad will happen now I've got a problem I think you know how I feel Clans piling up in the corner Eyeballing me every hour Live over here. I can make the world safe for you. Come and live over here. I can make the world safe for you. Nothing bad'll happen now. Nothing bad'll happen now. I've got a balcony and an orange tree. Save up and visit New York with me You can save up and visit New York with me Nothing bad will happen now. I
make the world safe for you. Come and live over here. I can make the world safe for you.